Hello, beautiful. Welcome to Magical Realness, a Blythe Mitral's podcast. I'm your host, Brittany Marie, a confidence and wardrobe manifestation coach whose main MO is to guide aspiring soulpreneurs into the transformation of their dreams while helping them learn how to empower themselves along the way. What you need to know about me is that I'm silly, spiritual, and uber passionate about living a life in true alignment and fulfillment. I'm also definitely a chatty bitch. (laughs) I believe deeply that magic is real, potent, and rooted in choice. Magic is truly all around us. All you have to do is choose to see it. Dive in with me as we look at actionable steps, books, and conversations that help you live a magical lifestyle in which serves you. We're currently in the season Spirituality 101, where I give you the introductions needed to help you dive into the spiritual world and become aligned with who you truly are. This season has been brought to you by Blythe Mindrels Coaching. If you are looking for support and an implementation partner and expressing who you really are or making your aspirations into an actionable journey, Blythe Mitral's Coaching has got you covered through their step-by-step programs and pressure-free approach. You'll feel lighter, brighter, and clearer on what makes you, you. Sign up for a clarity session today and see if this is in your alignment. And with that, I say, let's get started with today's episode. Wow, 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 my friends. We are here at episode three, right? Or if we want to, you know, keep that playful lesson spin, lesson three. Ooh la la. And today, as I'm sure you saw from the title, (laughs) we're going to be talking about mindfulness. Now, before I get into mindfulness, I just want to say if you are itching, right, to get to all the juicy stuff that's within spirituality, trust me, you want to start here. I have seen over and over again that we can become overwhelmed and we can get too involved with the advanced spirituality. If we want our advanced, fun, sexy elements of spirituality, if we want to be able to dive into those on a full scale, we've got to start at the beginning. And mindfulness is such a huge practice to make all those elements of spirituality really kick off and really hone in and really be in service of you, okay? So today, again, we're talking about mindfulness and I'm going to have the amazing Brenda Umana here with us. She is a mindfulness practitioner. She does yoga. She does mindful marketing strategy. She combines a really mindful practice into the true full elements of well, fulfillment. It's remarkable. I have worked with her and I have loved it. She's also a fellow member of the Three Moon Collective. So I'm super excited, excited, yes, elated, more appropriate, to be working with her and to be talking about mindfulness with her in a real conversation. So before we get into the gabbing of it, I do want to share what mindfulness is. Let's go ahead and define it before we get into all the juicy bits, okay? Mindfulness is the gaining of consciousness and awareness of one's present experience, what you're experiencing in this moment right now in the present, okay? And you're experiencing your consciousness, becoming aware and a detachment from the ego, So it's leaving behind judgment. It leaves behind guilt, shame. It's letting yourself sit and be who you authentically are. That's what mindfulness is. It's letting you sit with everything that you fully are. Mindfulness invites peace, prosperity, and overall wellness into our lives. And to practice mindfulness regularly is truly to live a richly and fulfilling life. 
with that, my friends, I'm going to invite Brenda Umana on and we're going to get things going. And here we are, my friends. This is Brenda. This is who I pumped you up for. Brenda, say hello. Hello. I'm so excited. I love you, Brittany Marie. I love you, uh, Brittany, and I need to say Brittany Marie because yeah. um, it's such an awesome name too. But I love you, Brittany Marie, and I'm so, so, so excited. So, oh yeah, thank you. Brenda, I love you too. And don't you worry about the Brittany thing. You know what? I have really let that go over the years, and also – it's different. There's, there's, um, just quickly, girl, I'm all about the tangents. Um, <laughs> so, you know, it used to be like men would come up to me and they'd be like, Oh, your name, your name's Brittany Marie. Uh, can I just call you Brittany? And I was like, well, my name's Brittany Marie. And they're like, well, it's really inconvenient. Or they would tell me that like, it's really long. Are you sure you don't have a nickname? Like letting me know that it's really inconvenient and really not of their benefit that I have a four syllable name. <laughs> and I'm like, I not my problem. And so yeah. that would always kind of irritate me. But it's, you know, when people are like really open to you and see you as a person, I used to associate when someone didn't call me Brittany Marie that they didn't see who I was. And that's from all the yes. unworthiness and like the abuse and all the stuff that I went through. And now that I'm just like fabulously me, I just like, I just roll it off. You know, it's like, mm -hmm. it's no big deal because they see me. And if they don't see me, then I get a little irritated. But you see me. Totally. I know you do. I do. You oh, know? my God, I do. So it doesn't yeah. – I don't even think of it. I always feel like you're saying Brittany Marie. I don't – you know, I'm with it. I love it. Yeah. So that <laughs> that little tangent right there. Um, Brenda, I've kind of, I've kind of talked you up a little bit, but I would love for you to just at first, you know, tell us, uh, what it is that you do, you know, like how do you, how, how do you practice what you do? Yeah, that is such a good question. And also <laughs> has been a challenging question for me over the years because I kind of do a lot. And for a long time, I thought that I needed to be like one thing or pick like one thing and only categorize myself as a yoga teacher or only categorize myself as, you know, a health marketer or business wellness marketer. Um, and so that is kind of a gist of what I do of all the things that I do. And so I specifically have recently like labeled myself as a mindful specialist and a mindful marketing expert. Um, and those are new, new ish, um, titles that I have given myself that feel fitting because, um, yeah, I've really just created my own, my own career path, like my own, my own things that I love. Um, and that is along the lines of mindfulness, including yoga and meditation and kind of other practices that fall into that. And um, my love for business and marketing and specifically um, business and marketing that is in line with people doing amazing things and people uplifting the consciousness of the world. And so I really love to work with people on um, their business and marketing journey. And yeah, so that's a little bit of what I do. Girl, no, I love it. What you described, see, that's the thing with soulpreneurs. First off, we think I that, love we, that. <laughs> we think that we have to have only one niche. And the thing is, is you still have your niche. Like it's still encompassed and you don't have to kill your darlings, but we are so, and, and you know, this as someone who helps people market and get aligned, you know, we drill in this one single aspect. And I think that makes sense if you're a blogger, right? But when we're solopreneurs, we are one with our business. We are one with our practice. We are one with the services that we provide. So when we deplenish who we are and how we show up for our clients, our clients are not getting the best out of us. And it's a huge oh God, yeah. correlation. And I love that you're adjusting and you're pivoting. And what you just described is perfect for those who are aspiring or struggling soulpreneurs, which I love to invite into the Blythe Mitral space. Because we think, again, that it has to be perfect. It has to be finalized. It has to you know, be the only way and we have to force it in. You are showing the way that you are pivoting and evolving and moving with the flow. And it was just what you had described and how you shared that was so beautiful, Brenda. Thank you for sharing all of those cards and telling everybody exactly how you have morphed into this new title that is, yes, self-assigned because you're a solopreneur, bitch. Like, that's what we do. 
<laughs> it's so true though. It really is true. Um, the, the, the being a solopreneur often means that nobody else has done what we do. Mm. Like nobody else has, has the blueprint to do the stuff that I do, or there's nobody that else out there. I'm sure there's other people doing like mindful marketing or something along those lines, but that combination of things is just different. And, you know, I'm not a dentist. I don't, I, I don't have the, that specific like title that just has a specific blueprint. And so as a solopreneur, it's like, get creative on your titles. Like you can be whatever you want. And I think the beauty of that is that people will then gravitate towards you in the people that, that need to gravitate towards you and your services or what you're offering are like going to come towards you because of that. So yeah, I love that. Oh my gosh. You guys, I know you can't see because this is an audio format, but we are both just like beaming with huge smiles. So I'm sure you can hear in our voice, but we are just so, we're just so in it right now. Also, we just love each other a lot. Like I just like scream about Brenda all the time. I just always tell people about Brenda. I'm like, work with Brenda. She's amazing. So we're just really enjoying ourselves. (laughs) We are. We are. I know we are. I'm like looking at you and I'm like, look at her cute little cheeks and her glow. Beautiful. I know you're glowing too. It's really nice. I'm just like, ooh, that moisturizer. It looks good. I have a lot, side tangent again. Um, <laughs> I, have lot, I have a lot of like dry, dry skin stuff all my life. And um, so oils and moisturizer are like huge. And for whatever reason, last week I was having like a really big dry spell and so I was just, I've just been lathering all of these oils on my face. So that's, that is right. There is a lot of moisturizer on my skin. Oh my gosh. You know, a friend of mine, girl, we all on the tangents, a friend of mine used to say that he, cause he had, um, oh, I don't know what it was, but it was some sort of like skin, skin thing. And he would rub coconut oil literally all over his body. And he described it as like, his body was like, <laughs> You know, like doing that like slurping sound, just like taking it in and it was loving it. Yeah. And now I think about that every time I put lotion on my face, I'm just like, oop, yeah. it's just loving this lotion. <laughs> yes. Yes to coconut oil too. Yes to all of that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, guys, if you are having as much fun as we are just gabbing away right now, then definitely, you know, give us a shout out you know, do a screenshot, share this on Instagram or wherever you see fit, share it with your friend, share it with someone that's on a bus. The Sage Sisters said that. And I was like, oh, I'm stealing. (laughs) Sage Sisters is another podcast in Seattle. If you haven't listened to them, go listen to them. I don't mind telling you about other podcasts, girl. I got you. I know what you need. And yeah. So if you're, if you're having as fun as we are, um, Brenda, what is your, what is your handle? Yes. Um, it is B like Bumblebee, so B-double-E-Umana, which is my last name, U-M-A-N-A. And they can follow me, um, kind of all of my adventures on there. I, I kind of put a mix of like life and business on that handle. Um, and yeah, so that's that's where they can follow me. And then you guys know where you can follow me, at Confidently, Brittany Marie, or at Blythe Mitrals. And either way, you can tag you can tag both of us. I would love that. Yeah. Brenda would love to see it too. And we'd love to hear how this mindfulness conversation, which we're kind of getting into, um, <laughs> is a benefit and helping you along. And if you just like the Girl Gab, you know we're all about it. So let's keep it going. <laughs> yes. Yes. I love it. Um, Brenda, I would love to like go ahead and dive into – you know, as someone who has really brought in mindfulness as a full center into what you are doing and your solopreneurship, right? Uh, wh- what is, how would you define mindfulness? Because beforehand I had described quickly to our audience just a kind of a layer, you know, a quick layer of what is mindfulness, but it's so mm-hmm. in depth. So I would love to hear, you know, your, your insight on it. Yeah, it really is so in depth. And I've, you know, done a lot of like, research, research, like what is science telling us that mindfulness is? And then like done a research on the philosophy side and like, what does, you know, Buddhism and um, Hinduism tell us about mindfulness? And really when it comes down to like my definition of mindfulness, it comes down to understanding myself, I guess. in just in simple terms, it's that. And the more that I use certain practices that are mindful, like yoga and meditation and journaling and therapy. And there's just a lot. There's a lot of mindful practices out there. The more that um, I enhance or support my mindfulness, 
mindfulness just being um, something that I think is a true connection to who I am and myself and my thoughts. A lot of the times I, I would say I run on my thought. Like, I guess we all do. I just run on my thoughts. They're, they're just there. And then they're kind of running the course a lot of the time. And when I'm unaware of what's happening in there, they might run me into situations or experiences that are unmindful, that are reactive and not responsive, that are um, unkind and unloving. And so having mindful practices enhances my mindfulness or my connection to myself so that I can be responsive and not reactive. So, yeah. Oh my gosh. I felt that like in my chest. I just felt like I was, I felt like I was inhaling all that you were saying and my body like needed to hear such a beautiful explanation of mindfulness. And I love that you started off with saying that like mindfulness is understanding yourself and then breaking it down further, like the onion that it is, you know, or I I remember that line from Shrek and I use it all the time. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God, that is the perfect line though. Random, another side tangent, but like similar to this, I have um, a Russian doll tattoo uh, with my sister, my older sister. So she has like a little, the bigger Russian doll and then I have a smaller, but that is the analogy of the Russian doll too. It's like peeling the onion that, you know, that we are, that we're, we're always peeling the onion and there's always just this core person, even when you get to the smallest little, to the smallest little doll. So yeah, I love the Shrek line too. <laughs> I love the Russian doll. I I hadn't thought of it that way, but that is so – because they are painted differently. Like each doll is different and so revealing those different sides of yourselves, you know, or if just even diving into the inner divine and how that works together and how that's layered upward or just, you know – the, the, you know, relationships and the way that we are professionally, if we separate the two, I, as solopreneurs, it's really all involved into one space, but you know, whatever, how you divide that and, and put that in or what you've been harboring and really diving into what it means to be authentically you. I love that analogy. I think that's so cute. And like, I don't know, it makes me want to make my own Russian dolls and have them nearby. Right? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's so true. Painting your own Russian doll. Yeah, that would be a. Uh, it almost reminds me of like painting the the or like co- uh, coloring the mandalas. I don't know if you've ever done that, where it's like mindful coloring in a way. Yeah, um, and you're like coloring your own mandala. You can color your own Russian doll. That would be so like, you know, just mindful, mindfully being there with your with your color palette. Oh my gosh, Ooh, we might be onto something. Anyway, um. <laughs> Yeah. So, so with your such a beautiful definition of mindfulness and being so in tune with it and all of the juicy bits, how did, how did you get to this enlightenment? Like, how did you approach mindfulness? How did this come to you? Definitely, definitely not enlightened. I'm not, I'm not there maybe ever, but uh, mindfulness, it's so interesting. I was never introduced to any of this, like growing up. You know, my parents are immigrant immigrant parents from Central America. Like, this is not part of their their daily life either. Um, and when I moved to San Francisco, I was working at a job that was not in line with my soul at all. It was I would call it soul crushing, actually. And I wasn't even in spirituality or none of that. I would I would literally just say this is a soul crushing job. I was an accountant at a CPA firm. And the one perk was that they offered yoga classes on site to us because we just worked like crazy. We would work like eight to 12 hours. Um, And the woman, my teacher, I still remember her name, Lauren Slater. She was just magical. She was literally magical. And um, looking back and reflecting on, on the classes, we barely did anything really. We did a couple down dogs and like lifted our legs up and anything and just breathed with her. And at the end of the class, I literally remember thinking like, or just feeling like, wow, I am so happy and content right now. And I don't know why. And I would go back upstairs to the ugly office and sit at my desk and nothing could disturb me. Like not even my boss that was screaming and bitching at me. Um, Nothing. I felt like there was a shield on me and something about that like woke me up a little bit and in that moment, in those few moments with those few classes, 
I knew that something kind of needed to change. And around that same time, I was ending a bunch of really awful relationships with men. Just a lot of cheating, a lot of infidelity, a lot of hurt. Um, and I was following, I don't know if you ever followed The Daily Love by Mastin Kip. He was like a big blogger and I became obsessed with his messages. It was like the first time I was familiar with like newsletters and stuff. And he would send like these beautiful, beautiful messages. Um, and I would just eat them all up. And I got through him introduced to Gabby Bernstein. And I would listen to her meditations on like, you know, self-healing or like a lot of what I had to do at that time was forgiving these awful, what I felt were awful, awful men that were doing this, you know, to me, it felt like they were doing it to me and I didn't understand why. And so I would go through her meditations and try to see the forgiveness, um, in them. And like all of those three things, like getting the yoga in that accounting firm and, and reading Mastin Kip and listening to Gabby Bernstein, like those three things propelled me into a change, like a movement. Um, and so I quit that job and I was like, all right, I'm, I want to help people. I don't know what that meant. And I kept kind of just trying to check off boxes and grad school happened and I went to grad school for public health, but I was already bitten by mindfulness. I completed my teacher training um, before I left to grad school and I was, I was teaching during grad school. I was writing all my papers on mindfulness. I was like the weirdo that would not give up yoga and mindfulness. Like I was just always talking about it and everyone was like, dude, we're in public health. Like we're talking about epidemiology and like random boring stuff. And I was like, I don't care. Like I'm, I'm still in love with this stuff. Um, and yeah, that, that bug, like the little mindfulness bug, just, I was just so curious, like, why does this make me feel so content and whole when all I'm doing is moving and breathing? And, you know, once I started to get into the more subtle practices, like, uh, like meditation or or like some some in really interesting breath work and kundalini yoga it just it it just never gets boring to me it just never it just keeps fueling something inside me and that something is you know can be described in, in various ways but it, it's a connection to that higher purpose or my, my higher purpose my highest self and yeah so that's kind of a a, a longish really in-depth I don't never fully give that whole that whole in-depth one. Um, but that's kind of the, the way that it was introduced to me. And I've never, I've never let it go. Even when I was super confused on my career route, like that was always still there in the background. Oh my gosh. I thank you so much for sharing that story with us. I, you know, I really feel that the, the listeners here are going to resonate with that because it's, it's a really powerful story and the way that mindfulness has just captivated you and really welcomed you in with full arms and created this safe haven for you to really dive in and, and discover what you needed to discover. But it's also one that I think is relatable in that you could be living in your own, you know, you could, you could be working as this, you know, quote unquote accountant or be in that kind of role and not even realize that there is this, that there is this layer over you. And I think that's why people really hone in on the ego. And I think that a mm. lot of people attack the ego and they say that the ego is evil and we have to separate from the ego and the ego is toxic. I, I do like Eckhart Toll. I do I do like what he says, but it's very I haven't really because I just I like to do audiobooks and it's mm. really hard for me to take in because he's very intense and it's almost feels like I'm not ready for it. And I do I've only listened to a little bit, The Power of Now, but I I don't know. It almost was telling me that my ego was bad. And I was like, my ego is not bad, though. The ego is just simply what we experience things through. It's, it's literally a filter so we can operate day by mm -hmm. day in the life that we're living. How was your experience with engaging with your ego? Or how, how have you seen that being reflected in, in your mindfulness practice? Yeah, you know, that's such a good point. And I love that you're bringing this up, Brittany, because often what we see in the mindfulness and yoga world is the, e the ego is bad, or let's remove the ego, or um, almost like we want to be something like, oh, like mindfulness is going to make you happier, or mindfulness is going to make you like Zen or something. And that's, that's not really the point sometimes that, um, like, it's almost like misleading. And 
in the yoga world and yoga philosophy, philosophy, there's um, four parts of our mind. Ego, the ahankara is one of them. And a big message that is shared in that, in that teaching is that if we did not have an ego, we would be depressed. We need a, our sense of I, the ego is our sense of I, our individuality, and our way to observe ourselves amongst our peers and in our communities. And when our ego is low, that's when we get into our depressive and, and very um, perhaps unaware or un, unconnected. We're, we're unconnected to ourself. And I know when I've been in those moments when I am, am feeling depressed or when I am not connected to my authentic self and I'm moving in a space that is not fully me, that is because I don't have a, a, a good connection or a strong connection to my ego or my sense of I. And obviously we can run through the ego and perhaps have too high of our sense of I or... I don't even want to consider it like our egotistical because it's not that, but you know, if we're running too much on comparing ourselves or thinking that we're, you know, right all the time, then that's not healthy too. And so there is this balance that we need with our ego and the way to balance that is through the, the various mindful practices, being observant of our thoughts, being observant of um, how we speak, being observant of our behavior and that all happens through practice like we're not automatically good at that we're not automatically good at observing our own self and that's why we have a therapist or we have a coach or you know we have these different people that can put the mirror up and say hey you know look at this like how 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 did that really happen um and show us you know is is my ego running too on overdrive or how can I balance my, my ego a little bit more? Is my ego more depressed? How can I bring it up a little bit more? Um, so yeah, I love that you're bringing it up because the ego is not bad. The ego really is, we need, we need that, that aspect of, of ourself, of our mind. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you just really made something click for me and I've never really, I think that I knew that man, Gordon Sondland, man, I watched all of those trials. So I always go two plus two equals four now. Like, I guess I put two and two together. Anyways, I'm, I'm, what I'm going to say is, I think I knew that two and two equaled four, but I didn't, like, I've never looked at it that way. And more so in the sense of what I heard a lot of what, from what you just said is having a healthy sense of self-esteem. You know, people who are narcissistic or people who are egotistical or dive into that, they actually have a very poor self-esteem and they mm -hmm. over-engage in what is brought to them as kind of a positive attribute and they channel in it really hard or really intensely. And that's why they behave the way that they do because they're so desperate to have more of it and they don't have a clear sense of self. And having self-esteem, self-compassion, self-love, you know, being connected to your intuition, all of those elements really are so key in having a mindfulness practice and being in line with your ego and knowing how to operate in a healing way that that is what mindfulness is for us, right? A hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. It's so true. It, it really is that I love how you brought up the self-compassion and the self-love. That is such a important component to all of mindfulness that often gets overlooked or we don't know how to introduce it, especially when we're like, you know, we're, when do we ever hear about self-love in like the news or anything? It's always, um, you know, we, we love to see the narcissistics in the news. We love to see the extremes in the news. But I think that's why I really loved um, Mastin Kip's newsletter because it was called The Daily Love. And it was just all about how to love yourself and other people doing acts of kindness, um, whether it was through quotes or whether it was through actions and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Ugh, man, really putting two plus two together for me. You know, I'm just wondering what are some of the other ways that you kind of approach, approach mindfulness? Like where do you, where do you see it and how do you, how do you make it accessible to you? Is it through practicing or do you, do you look at it as kind of a filter with all that you do? Yeah. How do you approach it? Yeah. Um, 
lots, lots and lots and lots of practice, <laughs> lots and lots and lots of practice and not giving up. It is not easy to be mindful, like live a mindful life, right? It's much easier um, for me to, for, at least personally for me, to run on my emotions. I love my emotions and I validate them with the help of my mindful practices. But I know that if I'm not continually practicing, they run the course most of the time. So they'll either put me in a really high state, in a really sad state, in a really depressed state, and I can just run on all the modes of my emotions. But being able to practice the various practices that I have within the umbrella of mindfulness really support the, yeah, to really support kind of the, the emotional landscape that I have. And I think to your question about like accessibility and how to make it approachable, consistency comes up and finding a practice that I need in, in that moment. And I know that that might not be as ex- like super accessible, but there is like a plethora of teachers out right now. And like when I was first getting introduced to this um, information, like back when I was that still that CPA, I gravitated towards two people. And that was Mastin Kip and Gabby Bernstein. And I kind of stuck with them for a minute, like for a long time. And I would just see what else they had to say and kind of go through the the little trail of where they were taking me or what else they had to offer. And I would stick with those practices for a while. And through that consistency, I then discovered kind of something else, like something else would pop up. And then I would get curious. And that was, you know, just to, to put an example, it was probably something along the lines of breath work. And I was getting really curious about breath work and like Kundalini yoga practices And that opened up a whole new branch of mindfulness. And I would kind of stick with that for a while. And then something else from there would kind of branch me off. And I think that's how you begin to create accessibility is by starting with something kind of something that piques your interest, could be small or could be big, um, but then something that just really piques your interest and sticking with it for a good amount of time. And your body will begin to understand your mind will begin to process and it will then maybe the divine then takes you out into something else. So yeah, I can't remember the, the rest of your questions, but I think that was kind of the, 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 the gist of it. No, that was perfect. It was absolutely perfect. You know, and I think, you know, you really, you're making me remember a, a very, I used to just go to the Y cause I lived right by the Y. I used to live downtown, uh, like literally just like two blocks away. And uh, there was this instructor there. He's only there two times a a week, just these two classes. And, oh, gosh, I can't remember his name because it's been a minute. But um, he was absolutely my favorite. And he's just like this old man or whatever. And he's just, you know, doing yoga. And he's just like cool and like groovy and stuff. And he he used to say, if you're shaking – no worries. It's just a practice, you know, some, you know, and he would always remind you that like, you know, one side may not be as willing as the other. And if you're laughing, he goes, no worries. It's just a practice. Laugh it out. Enjoy yourself. And he just, cause I feel like sometimes yoga teachers, they're so Zen that they don't understand that sometimes it's like funny or it's joyful when you shake or you can't keep your tree pose or whatever it is. And I, and I laugh that I find joy in that. I find, you know, humor and, and my ability to be vulnerable and keep trying and, you know, moving forward, being resilient. And I just always connected with him. He he always did the pigeon pose and oh my gosh, I still, I have a really hard time with pigeon pose. My hips need some work, but, um, <laughs> I still have trouble with it, but he just, he was always, it was like worth it. I was like, I knew he was going to do pigeon pose and I don't want to do pigeon pose, but I'm going to go see him because he just encourages me to enjoy the, the little nuances of a practice. And so I think what I'm trying to get to is, it's just really reminding me of, how beautiful it is to be self-aware and to practice self-love and that self-compassion is a practice. You don't just wake up one day and be like, oh, I need to be more self-compassionate. And then you're self-compassionate. It doesn't immediately happen. Like spirituality, you know, we, I think that people get confused with the dark night of the soul and they think, oh, I've had this experience now. So I guess I'm spiritual. And day one, uh, after your dark night of the soul, you 
I don't, I mean, you can if you want to. If you want to affirm that bitch, go for it. But if you call yourself a spiritual bitch right off the bat, I don't know. I think, I think you're assuming too much for yourself and you're overwhelming yourself. And then your mindfulness isn't easing. It's, it's grace. It's mm-hmm. again, compassion, it's love. And it's finding that in small ways. Um, it's also, you know, it's also a gateway to the trifecta and, and diving into that, which is another conversation, but that's kind of, we'll, we'll get to that, my friends. And, you know, kind of the, what I consider the pyramid of your inner divine, but, you know, but looking at that and, and looking at accessibility there, there seems to be to me, and if you have more, let me know, but there seems to be three key ways that we practice mindfulness. And that's either through journaling, that's through practicing yoga or having some sort of mindful movement practice, typically though it's yoga, or we meditate. And which is funny, the trifecta, we'll get to that. It's the soul-mind-body connection. But all three of them seem to exhale for one of the three parts of the trifecta which I'm, you know, is kind of coming together for me. It's kind of, you know, it's, it's all for all of who we are, but it's like really engaging when specifically for an element of our trifecta, yoga for body, meditation, you know, for, for our mind and then journaling for our soul. Or, you know, you could be vice versa. Our mind and our soul seem to overlap in a lot of ways. You got to quiet the mind to get to the soul and the soul wants to talk through the mind. So it's kind of an infinity symbol. But anyways, I'm, I'm on a ramble now and I'm just wondering, you know, are the, is I think that would probably be the most accessible way to start practicing mindfulness and seeing how you explore that. But what do you think as someone who, who practices mindfulness fully and I would consider to be a, a, a big expert on mindfulness, um, mm. how, would, how would you practice mindfulness or how would you invite our listeners to start inviting that in? Because I think, you know, what you've shown again is is a very accessible journey into getting into a mindfulness practice. It's a it's an easement. It's a way that you you went into it with grace, and you didn't force yourself into it. It became a journey for you, and now you live this beautiful life that you live now where you're this badass solopreneur and you're just right on the money. And like when we work together, guys, she called me out on so much shit that she didn't even know she was calling me out on. She was just intuitive and doing it. And I was like, Brenda, I needed you. So, so what, yeah. So what do you think is like the, you know, a great way to kind of start this in or, or bring this forward to start being more mindful? Mm-hmm. I love that you have kind of like wrapped them together and coupling it with the trifecta mind, body, soul. And the fact that you described it as a process and as a journey, right? It wasn't like, oh, I did my one yoga class in that CPA um, corporate setting and now I'm spiritual and now I'm mindful and now I'm a yoga, yoga person. And it wasn't like that at all none of those things popped into my head ever. And even now I still question what is mindfulness or like, what are, you know, just questioning all the things once again. And as far, and I guess I want to also point out that mindfulness and meditation can often get looped in together and often interchangeable. And just for your listeners, just so that they have a little bit of, um, an understanding if they're a bit confused when they read articles or when they're reading other things and, and looking at other resources, mindfulness meditation is off like put together is a type of meditation practice. But the, what we're talking about right now is like that, that bigger umbrella. And I do think that yoga or some type of movement, mindful movement that can be like Tai Chi, or that can even for some people be dance. Some people really embody the dance aspect and Definitely journaling, but some type of practice that offers self-reflection. And I do think that journaling offers that, but there could be, I don't know at the, off the top of my head right now, but there could be another way to, to invite that self-reflection. Um, perhaps like therapy, but you know, therapy isn't accessible to everybody. So journaling is a great way to like self-reflect. But sitting down meditation is not always accessible to everybody. Like sitting down quietly still often takes a lot of effort and time. I could not for the longest time have a sitting meditation practice 
because I was a bit too anxious or I wasn't really getting it or I didn't really fully understand. And I think the journey of mindful movement like yoga and uh, back and forth with self-reflection and journaling, doing that kind of a lot for a long time invited the meditation practice um, or just like allowed me to sit for longer periods of time. And if we look at why in, in, in the history of yoga, why did the ancient yogis used to uh, practice, it was for that purpose. It was so that their, um, their joints were limber so that they can actually at the end fully sit down to meditate. Um, and that the, everything was kind of out of our body, like energetically, our body was no longer in perhaps for me was that anxious feeling so that at the end, you're then able to fully sit in a quiet sitting down meditation. And I do feel like that was my experience for a long time, for years. Like that was, it wasn't like, a, oh, I, I did one yoga class and now I can sit and meditate. I did a Gabby Bernstein recording, self-guided recording, and now I can sit and meditate on my own. It was a really, really long journey of consistently showing up to my mindful movement practice, of being curious, of self-reflecting in my journal, and then to finally kind of get to a point that... I can meditate on my own without a guided meditation. And I, but I still listen to every now and then, um, you know, a guided, a guided meditation. But if, if we had to like pick, pick between those <laughs> three pillars of, of yoga, uh, journaling and meditation, I would say the yoga and the journaling are much more accessible than the meditation, than the sitting down really quiet and still in that meditation. Cause it takes a lot, a lot of effort to do that. Um, and to do that willingly, skillfully, compassionately, without judgment. Um, a lot of the times I think what happens is we come to sit and we instantly judge ourselves because we can't sit still or because our thoughts are racing and there's no compassion in that. And so we just let it go and then we say, oh, I don't know how to meditate or I can't meditate or I don't like to meditate. Um, and so that non-judgment is is a, a crucial uh, practice takes practice to do that non-judgment piece yeah wow you know again you're really making things click for me I think I think you know again that's really great advice and I agree the journaling and the the body movement the mindful movement you know making those the the first roots you know I I'm just kind of thinking about that self-reflection part because that's the element that we need in order to become aware, right? We need to be able to have that self-reflection. And I think we look immediately for awareness as kind of, again, you know, as, as I keep telling my listeners, the reason why we're starting with the basics is because it'll help you be able to engage in all of the fun stuff like crystals and tarot and everything else, <laughs> you know, it's going to help set you up for that success. You know, sometimes we, we jump too fast and you and I have talked about this before. Yeah. Oh yeah. God, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I didn't start, you know, buying crystals until like years into <laughs> the practices. Like it wasn't like, oh, I, I did one yoga class. Let me go buy a crystal now. And it's like, no, that took a really long time. I know. I think that some people um, or I have seen young women look at spirituality as a lifestyle, which it is. But they, mm -hmm. they look at it as kind of like, well, the universe is my bitch, you know, or like, you know, the universe is like going to write me checks and I'm going to have those nails, which is great. Have those nails. But, you know, they kind of like overindulge too quickly. They don't really know what they're engaging in. And we've got to start with the self-reflection and figure out, is that really what we want? Is that what it means to be spiritual in your eyes? You know, so so maybe, you know, maybe you don't think that journaling is accessible to you. I remember when I first tried journaling, actually, when I was younger, and, and part of this I know now is because I had so much shame and I hated myself so much and I was taught to not, that I wasn't worthy and that I wasn't lovable. And so I would try to sit down with a journal and I would tell myself, okay, you're going to do this every day or you're going to come to it every week and you're going to do this. And this is like, I would like force myself and I put pressure on myself. And of course I didn't show up to it. So journaling mm -hmm. in the beginning wasn't accessible to me because I just thought, like, I didn't understand why. I think that's also the reason. Why do you want to show up to this? Why do you want to be mindful and getting clear on that? having a greater purpose than, well, because everyone says to do it or someone recommended it to me, but why did they recommend it to you? And is that something that resonates with you? 
So again, getting clear on, does this provide the self-reflection that I need? I like to Mm -hmm. phrase that as exhaling. Does this allow me to exhale what I need to get rid of my, you know, out of my body and that is no longer in service of me? And, you know, you brought up some really great points too, you know, about does it bring you peace, you know, and does it bring you that compassion? And I think, you know, looking for those three elements, you know, maybe, you know, if journaling sounds daunting to you or yoga, I mean, you could get this on a walk. You could go out walking. Totally. Oh my God. You know, and that can be accessible to you. So whatever gives you, again, the self-reflection, the compassion, and the peace that you need to really engage fully within your life and be present and enjoy your life, right? Mm-hmm. I, you know, I think you're right. I think you're right on the money, Brenda. Um, I, I think that's that's the way that we go. And I just want to, you know, also advocate for anyone who, again, is feeling like it's not accessible because it just, it takes time and it takes forgiveness and it takes patience. And I remember when I first dived into yoga, um, I hated it. The first time I did yoga, I hated it. And I went again because a girlfriend of mine had, she wanted me to go with her. And so I went again because I thought, well, and I was, you know, um, at that time, I considered myself to be really overweight and I'm the same size as I was then. And now I'm like, no, girl, I'm fine. But anyways, um, you know, part of that is because I have SIBO belly and I'm my body's inflamed and whatever, and I'm going to love it regardless. But, uh, you know, but I I was like, well, you know, I'm overweight, so I need to, you know, I was still thinking I was unworthy at this time. And I had a lot of self-shame because my family did not like that I was overweight. And anyways, it it's just, you know, the things that they put on you and it's like, it's, but it's almost like it's your fault. <laughs> anyway, yeah. that's, that's family drama. That's epigenetics. You don't need to go there. But, <laughs> but, you know, I just remember that like, I was like, I felt obligated to do it. And eventually through that obligation, I turned it into, no, this makes me feel good. Mm. And then I didn't do it for a while because I moved to Seattle and I went to school at Cornish College of the Arts. And I've talked about this before, but it's a very intense program, very overwhelming And then I got done and I started getting like really physically sick. I was already sick. I had already been with this disease for years and didn't know it, but it was really being loud. It was like my body was like, bitch, I've been trying to tell you this for years. I need you to listen to me. And I'm like, I don't know what the fuck is going on. (laughs) You know, I'm like, okay. And a doctor, and you know, it's funny because he actually was like one of the biggest invalidators I've ever seen. He thought it was phantom symptoms, but he said, well, why don't you go try yoga? He just shook it off. Yeah. And you know what I did? I started going to the Y and I started doing yoga and I did yoga every day because I was like, I'm committed. I will do whatever it takes to not be sick. Mm-hmm. And it was one of the most peaceful yet uh, like I was in like so much well because I was starting to, I was having what I consider the great awakening. The, mm. the dark night of the soul is, you know, of course, and I talked about this in the previous episode, but the dark night of the soul is when you get really introduced to spirituality and that there is this other realm here and there's more (laughs) substance to life but the great awakening is really seeing your reality and what you've been living with and what you've been tolerating and how you haven't been able to love yourself um all of those elements really seeing your life for what it is and uh you know so i was in the middle of that while doing yoga and it was such a savior to me it was ugh. It was, it was so worth it. So I think I'm telling you the story listeners and Brenda, because, you know, I, I, I want you to know that it, you don't have to love everything at first. I just tried breath work this last Saturday. Let me tell you, I hated it, but I cried and I'm like, there's something there. So I should probably do it again. I think my body wants to do it. Although it was screaming at me, please stop. So I think that means it needs it more, but you know, the point is, is whatever messages you're coming through, follow them and, and don't force yourself to do something you don't like. I am on a healing journey. So I'm going to continue to try and doing breath work. Maybe it doesn't, you know, not every mindfulness practice is what works for you. Mm-hmm. Do what works, but you know, try to find the joy in it. If you're mm-hmm. really hating it and you're not seeing any positivity from it, I say dump it. What do you think, Brenda? I say dump yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah, I, I do too. And there was a couple things that you said that I, I really loved. I know. I was in flow, girl. I was in flow. <laughs> yeah, I can feel it. There were so many things that you said, especially around the – something kept bringing you back even though you didn't like it. Mm-hmm. And in the yoga world, we have various ways of describing that, like in the philosophy. 
But one of the pillars, like there's eight limbs of yoga technically. And one of those pillars is, um, I can't remember the Sanskrit name to it, but is based essentially translated as discipline, which is not like the most beautiful word, but it's the discipline. And the, the, to me, I guess that like what you were describing was like that discipline of showing up for yourself, mm. not for the yoga practice, not for, you know, that you were trying to achieve something in that class with your wonderful teacher or anything like that. It was something inside you was saying, I want to keep showing up for myself because I want to heal. There was something that kept pulling you to heal. And really, I think that's what we're, what we're doing with these practices. It might not be like, as you're, you know, we're telling the everyone that it might not be meditation, it might not be breath work, it might not be yoga, but there's something there that you, that's going to, that's going to make you to keep showing up for that soulful inner, inner self. For some people, you know, for my partner, for David, he's a runner. Uh, he does like yoga every now and then, but right. He's not like super into like the way that I am like obsessively. He meditates every now and then, but he, he's a runner. And there's so many runners out there that I know my sister is another, another runner that they get that connection through their, their running journey. Um, and so I guess I say this, it's like, who am I to judge on which practice you, you do? Like, who am I to judge to tell you which practice to take? I'm a teacher. I'm not a preacher. And I actually stole that line from one of my teachers because I teach from experience and I'm not going to sit here and preach that this, this spiritual journey that I'm on is the one that you should be on to. Not at all. Like I, I teach from my experience and, you know, what I've done and what works for me, but that might not work for everybody. And that's because we're all on various journeys and that the various journeys are all at the end of the day can be, I would say, combined to what's your, how are you going to show up for yourself through the discipline, through the continuation of making that compassionate self-love, however you want to phrase it. Um, But yeah, yeah. I think everything you said really showed me that, that it's like you were showing up for yourself. You kept going to that yoga class, even though you didn't like it, but you knew your doctor was like, even though he invalidated you, was basically try yoga. And maybe his words were kind of like a little influential in you continuing to show up for the yoga practice, but you were just showing up there to heal yourself. You wanted to really be there for yourself. Yeah. And now I don't do yoga every day. I, I tried for a while. It's, it's more so it's not the, it's not the yoga. It's showing up to, again, what you just said, showing up to myself. I would Mm -hmm. love to do yoga every day, you know, but it's, it's, uh, something that I am totally open about sharing is that I constantly put my business before myself. As a solopreneur, that is one of our biggest hurdles that I will say, typically doesn't come along until you're a little bit more advanced, um, until you've really owned in that you are your business, which is a huge concept. But, um, yeah. you know, so so when you're first starting out, you probably won't. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't want to assume anything, but it's not as common that you'll deal with that. It's when you're really like so in flow with your business that you sometimes – kind of neglect what you need and so it's like every it's like every couple weeks I get back on track and then you know slowly I get off then I get off the track and I'm like oh bitch I'm off the track and then you got to get back on the track and it's just kind of a a way back and forth you know I would say that is the track right like the that like I struggle with this too because I'm like oh I used to practice like six times a day and now I you know I don't Mm -hmm. um and it's not that I've fallen off. It's just that you're maintaining your practices through various various ways. And that is that is the practice, right? Like, you know, maybe you're not practicing one week and then you go in and practice, you know, whatever. Because I find myself in certain flows too where I'm like really consistent and then not consistent or what I might put in quotes, consistent and non-consistent. But that is the consistency is... Yes, girl. I'm still showing up. You know, like I'm still showing up. It's not like they fell off completely. It's like I'm still showing up even though, you know, time is something that we've created. That, that, that you know, putting shit in our calendar is something that we've created, but we're, we're still in it. We're, we're, all, we're still living in it, you know? Mm-hmm. Oh, so I struggle with, yeah, I struggle with that too. But then at the end of the day, it's like, it's not like all of the practices fell off. They are there and they are fully supporting us and we show up to them when we need them. And once you start to get a bit more in tune with them, if you want to call it that, 
I really do think that if they start, you start to know which one to pull in when you need it. Like, I know now when I need a certain type of a meditation, it's like med- it's like prescribing myself something. It's like, mm, I really need that, you know, loving kindness. I really need the ho'oponopono. You know, I really need that right now. And it's like I can grab it because I practice it in other times of my life. Um, so, yeah. Ugh, girl. I just – I feel like, you know, what I'm really – first of the consistency – that is, that is that's, oh my God, that's a whole conversation on its own of like, and I so agree. I so agree completely that we tell, and I, I think it's that perfectionism. I think it's that white supremacy. I think it's that male patriarchy, mm-hmm. right? I think it's that imposition or the, what they have imposed on us as far as what me, what is consistency, you know, and that's then getting to the business side and we're talking about spirituality, but, you know, being consistent with yourself, you know, if you don't show up every day, then you're not going to see those results and you're not yeah. going to get this and you're not going to get that. And people are actually, what they're receptive to is the energy, when you show up somehow, some way, energetically, if that happens to be, man, again, this is this is getting off spiritual, but it's kind of spiritual. You know, if it's it happens to be through a newsletter or it happens to be somewhere where they can count on seeing your energy and getting that, um, being in that simpatico, right, that in and out simpatico, that is what they're responding to. So that's within yourself too, girl. You're so right. It's it's the the consistency of what we think of consistency is total bullshit. It's just more so being dedicated and having the discipline to know that I'm going to show up to myself when I intuitively need it or if I can do it every day, great. But, you know, some shit's going on. I'm doing the best that I can. I will show up to this when I'm able to. And to mm-hmm. me, that that is discipline enough. That is consistency enough. And that's going to help you move forward. And, you know, Brenda, you brought up another really great point, a really beautiful point, and that is that, you know, mindfulness, mindfulness is really the gateway to spirituality, which we knew, but look at the way that we approach mindfulness. We have to go through an exploration to be practicing our mindfulness, right? And, you know, there may not be as, there is a lot to mindfulness. There's a lot of ways you can practice it. Um, but I, I would say that there's even more ways that you can practice spirituality and it's, they're both very expansive, but if you can just dive into a mindfulness practice and find what works for you, you're going to know if crystals are the way to go or not. You know, you're going to know if like you want to talk to your spirit guides or your angels, are they the same people have conversations about this all the time? Apparently not. I don't know, but anyways, you know, there's different opinions and there's different ways to approach spirituality. And if you can navigate the way that you approach mindfulness to let yourself be open to the navigations of spirituality, you're going to be in alignment for you and you're not going to be overwhelmed with all the obligations of trying to be a 100% spiritual bitch. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a hundred, a thousand percent. And <laughs> It's like when we start speaking of the practices that we can't see, like we can't see mindfulness, right? You can see a yoga asana practice. You can see running. You can see walking, but you can't see mindfulness. You can't see meditation per se, and you can't see spirituality. Those are experiences and feelings within yourself and your soul. And when you start to get into that realm, there's no clear like line definition there's everything is kind of overlapping and weaving and it's all like an experience that's all we can describe it as they're all experiences and they're very personal experiences and you won't know the experience even as you're listening to us like we can describe this endlessly (laughs) but you won't know it until you begin that journey like you're saying the process of the journey and you won't know if your journey takes you towards, you know, the path of tarot, or you won't know the journey if your path is Vedic meditation, or if it's, you know, something else meditation, and that that like, it's meant to be experienced. Very similarly, it's like, you can read all about this too. Like, I love reading about meditation and yoga and spirituality, but I won't be able to teach it or do anything with it if I don't have my own practice and experience. So that, that is like so important is to just begin, just, just start with 
something that piques you, an avenue that might invite another avenue, another direction. Yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, in in our first episode, I had I had told I'm pretty sure I told our listeners I'm doing this from memory that to you know in spirituality to experience it is to know it right mm. or to know it is to experience it either way you yeah. know you 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 have to you have to experience it first to understand what spirituality is I think I did talk about this with the woo woo but you know that's true with mindfulness too that's true with the way that yeah. we approach it you're so right it's not tangible we do tangible things to interact and experience it, but mm-hmm. that doesn't mean that the experience itself is something that's something that we can like hold on to. Yeah. Unless we do it spiritually and unless we do it with commitment and with that self-love, with that practice. Ugh. Brenda. Brenda. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yes. I don't know if you could yeah. hear it, but she clapped and it was yeah. beautiful. Yeah. Oh my gosh. We have been going on and on about mindfulness and I feel like you're right. We could just talk about this for hours. Um, but I loved what we talked about here today. And Brenda, I am so grateful that you joined me here in this space to, to talk about mindfulness and just have such a beautiful conversation. I so appreciate you and being so vulnerable and open with our listeners, you know, I, I would love to to let pe- them know how how can they work with you, you know, how, how can they interact with your practices? Yeah, that is a beautiful question. And first, I'm just so honored to to be uh, talking to you, and I love talking about this, and I love 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 talking with somebody that also loves it. Um, I can feel, even though we're virtual, I can feel your energy and how in tune you are with these practices and how much you love them too. Um, and so I really, yeah, thank you. And I'm honored that you reached out and that, um, I can invite some type of conversation to this and yeah, people can work with me. Like I said, in the beginning through various ways, I'm a mindful coach, which is a hybrid of mindfulness and life coaching. So I kind of combine the practices and combine some of my skills to really foster and create that basically what we've been talking about, that self-love and self-compassion. And yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll say that. And then I also am a mindful marketing coach and um, people can work with me when they are at a point in their perhaps solopreneurship or uh, their business project, whatever they want to, whatever they're kind of working on, when they're at a point when they need some direction, some strategy, and I can really point them in the directions of authentic business and marketing. I think that the business and marketing world often lacks resources that speak to us because they're all like either salesy or in a different direction or just like a different mindset. Um, And I really do invite mindful practices into the marketing and business talks that we have. And, you know, Brittany Marie, we work together and I like to invite you know, a meditation practice often into that envisioning and uh, journaling and all of that work to really then support, you know, whatever strategy that we put in place. So yeah, those are two, two good ways that um, people can, can begin to, to kind of see the various things that I, that I can support them on. Oh my gosh. Well, I'm going to leave notes in the show notes and also on our, on our website, you'll get more in-depth information there. But yeah, you're going to learn all about Brenda, and I am so excited. Uh, spoiler, I'm definitely going to have Brenda on for the Spiritual Bitches of Seattle yay! podcast for season two. So if yay, you want to listen yay. to more of her, just stay tuned, and uh, I will I will let you know. I'll keep you informed. I'm also – I'm going to link Brenda's newsletter. She's got a phenomenal newsletter. So I will link that on the webpage as well for you to sign up for and jump on her newsletter. I, we both are on each other's newsletters, and I – Brenda, I love yours. Yours are just – they're so helpful, and I feel like they're always the perfect length. Like, it's exactly what – at least me, it's exactly what I need. And, uh, you know, and then it's I, – I feel like what it does is it just helps – helps me or or helps, you know, who you're talking to 
really engage in mindfulness, but like in everyday life, because we've been talking about the like theory and application and the general practice of mindfulness, but mindfulness again is so vast and, and the way that we integrate that into our everyday lives, you invite resources that show us that. And again, I worked with Brenda and I seriously, I mean, that was, I want to say that was like six weeks ago that we, our last call or something. Yeah. It wasn't, it was a minute ago and I'm still feel like we talked yesterday and I'm still reeling from those conversations and she's just, she's on the ball guys. So I cannot recommend Brenda enough. And with that, yes, girl. Yes. Thank you for being here. I'm a rambling bitch. I make Branda a rambling bitch sometimes because we just get in the flow. So we're going to end it here. But thank you again, Brenda. Thank you guys for listening. If you want more support, just go to the website, check out Brenda's stuff, and we're going to talk to you next time. Yay. Bye. Bye.